Today's episode of the Ag State of Mind podcast is brought to you by Douglas Plant Health. To unharness your soul's fertility and maximize yield, consider Douglas Plant Health. Welcome to Ag State of Mind, a podcast that examines the stresses affecting producers of agriculture and how to alleviate these stresses and improve farmers' lives. In this podcast, we discuss openly the mental health crisis that is occurring in the agricultural community and what we can do to help turn it around. Now, here's your host, Jason Meadows. Hello and welcome back to this episode of the Ag State of Mind podcast, a proud member of the Global Ag Network. I am your host, Jason Meadows. Today, we welcome back my friend, Michelle Payne. If you are following along on the podcast, you will recognize that Michelle was guest on episode six of the podcast, so going way, way back over two years ago. And we have connected. We have done work together on several things. Michelle is a great friend. Michelle is a great resource. And we talked today about her calendar that she was able to put together with some really great resources in it. Um, she was kind enough to include me on a few of the pages, uh, some other really great people, people who have also been on this podcast, Adrian DeSutter, Nathan Brown. Jolene Brown uh, and just Ashley Kennedy, so many, so many people, and uh, look forward to talking to her about that. Uh, but before we get started, I have two things. First, I want to ask each one of you to go out and subscribe to our email list. You will find that in both the show notes of this podcast as well as you can find it on my Instagram bio and on my Facebook page and also on my website. So please go out, subscribe to the email list if you want to have weekly updates of not just the podcast, but all the things going on in our lives. And also before we get started, I would like to have a word from our sponsor. For many years, U.S. farmers in select markets have trusted SP1 as an integral part of their crop's fertility program. Today, as fertilizer prices soar and supply chain challenges loom, DPH Biologics is expanding access to this trusted biofertilizer, helping growers circumvent supply challenges while improving crop yield and profitability. With TerraTrove SP1 Classic, the complete biofertilizer, you can replace up to 50% of your starter fertilizer. Visit dphbio.com. All right, Michelle Payne, welcome back to the Ag State of Mind podcast. Thanks for joining me this evening. Well, thanks, Jason, for having me. It's always great to have a chat with you. You know, it's I was got to thinking and I was looking back and I, I knew you were at pretty close to the beginning of the podcast when you're with, with us the first time, but I didn't realize how early it was. It's like episode six. And really? I didn't know that either. I didn't remember exactly when we had, because you know, this pandemic has caused that year long break for everyone, it seems like. 
Yeah, yeah, it was episode six. So, I mean, it's just so much has happened since then. Um, <laughs> you know, the way we even do this, do this kind of thing is totally changed. So it's great to have you back and to have a chat and catch up a little bit. Yeah, well, kudos to you on everything that you have done with the Egg State of Mind podcast. It's been fun to watch it grow. Well, thank you. I appreciate your support and I you know, appreciate all you do as well. And you know, today, I think what we're going to kind of focus on is your your project for this year, which is this calendar, this wellness calendar that you have kind of put into production. And it's funny to me because you, when we, you started this project, it was going to be the calendar for 2022. And whenever you started it, I was like, well, that 2022, that's, that's a long ways away. <laughs> Only I was looking at the calendar the other day. I was like, oh my gosh, that's now. <laughs> so I mean, it just is funny to me how fast things can just sneak up on you. So yeah, um, time flies when you're having fun or not. Right. 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 So tell me about the calendar. Why did you find this as a need that you wanted to put out there? Well, what was the kind of spark for that? Sure. Um, so agriculture's growth calendar is really about stress management for farmers, ranchers, agribusinesses, and it includes all sorts of tips and tools and, and such. We can get into some of the details. But the reason why I did it is because I've been working in the mental health space for a few years in agriculture, trying to help obviously remove the stigma, which I know you're very passionate about as well. And that's why we got connected, <laughs> but also to try to uh, help people have the difficult conversations. And that's really been one of my specialties in 20 years of professional speaking are those difficult conversations. So to me, that's the parallel with advocacy is sometimes we need to have our own difficult conversations in agriculture rather than just reaching out. And you know, I, I've written three other books, and right. I was tempted to write a book on mental health and agriculture, but I couldn't get past the thought of what farmer or rancher is going to pick up a book on mental health. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. I'm yeah. not going to write it if they're not going to read it. It just right. doesn't make sense. You know, writing a book is a whole lot of work yeah. and a little emotional draining and definitely increases the stress load. So I, you know, as I worked with groups, I just kept thinking, what is a tool where we can remind them of this? Because when you get a group of, of folks in agriculture together and you get them talking about this, it's actually amazing to see what can happen and how people open up and um, what they're willing to talk about. But then they go home mm -hmm. and back to the everyday stressors. And even before the pandemic, uh, stress was becoming the number one managed health issue in the United States. And so the, the challenge that I think we have is that agriculture has unique stressors, right? Right. And the challenge that goes along with that is trying to address those stressors. So that's really kind of how I came up with the calendar. It's a weekly calendar. It's a flip top calendar. So it sits up on your desk and basically just gets changed every week. And it was very important to me to have practical content from those with lived experience. And not just me, people like you, Jason, you contributed a few different pieces. I had 15 different contributors to it. So I, I was very happy with the way it came together with having different valuable practical tips for people. 
Yeah, and you know, and it was it was an honor for me to be included in that because there's some really great people and friends that are I'm on there with, which is obviously super cool. You know, I know you reached out to Nathan. Nathan's yes. one of my best friends in the world. Jolene Brown was on there. I mean, I can't I can't name the amount of times I've mentioned Jolene Brown in a talk or in a podcast just talk, talking about the work that she does. So, you know, it was just some incredible people and just, you know, and some of the tips in there, it's just like, oh yeah, that's not that bad. We can do that. We can talk like this. We can make these little small changes in our lives. And now it's on, I wish I had it in front of me, but it's actually on my dresser in my bedroom. And it's just nice to just look at it and read it while you're doing other things. And while you're, for me, it's while I'm getting my, it's actually when I'm getting ready for bed, I look at it because I get, I don't get ready in our, my bedroom because I get up so much earlier than Carrie in the morning. Mm-hmm. And so, but it's, it's nice to have it there in a place where it's very visible and things that are just... Even if you don't say them out loud, they're, they're things that are on your mind for however long, like for me, as I go to bed or, you know, for somebody who they're sitting in their office throughout the day, glancing at it. It's very, uh, I think that's a very valuable type of tool to have. Well, thanks. It was, it was a challenge to put it together because trying to figure out what made sense. And I'm a big fan of helping people think and Mm -hmm. I'm very happy if they're still thinking a few weeks after I speak. And so the challenge that comes with this type of content is how to make it digestible. And so I really appreciated the tips that people brought to it. You know, for example, Ashley Kennedy, Messy Kennedy on social media is a fellow Spartan and a great friend from Michigan, another dairy person. Mm -hmm. And she talked about her experience with an employee who died by suicide. Um, Jolene Brown, you mentioned, who's also a dear friend, very practical business management tips. Brandy Buzzard did some insight as to what happened when her husband suffered a traumatic brain injury and how they had to learn to accept help. And I, I tried to put it together so that there was the content to help people think as well as the weekly challenge. So for example, the Mm -hmm. weekly challenge for the first week of the year was how can you use six uh, stress busters to develop your management plan? And my whole point is, is that stress management has to be a part of a business plan today. I have heard so many times, as I'm sure you have, Jason, people tell me that, you know, mental health is a sign of weakness. Mental health means that somebody's crazy. When in fact, medically, mental health actually often means the absence of a mental condition. And so not only breaking the stigma around mental health, but really helping people understand this is very much about stress management. Stress is huge in agriculture right now. You look at input prices, you look at the availability of products. I'm a dairy person, look at milk prices. That's all I have to say. Mm -hmm. And, Mm -hmm. And then you couple that with the stress of the pandemic and the numbers very clearly prove we have a problem in agriculture. Everybody who listens to your podcast knows this. So my hope was is to to be able to offer some different tips and insights. Some weeks you'll love, some weeks you probably won't, but that's okay as long as your neighbor is enjoying them 
too. So basically different strokes for different folks. Yeah. And, you know, that's really, and to have a variety of things is really important too, because like you said, what works for you may not work for me. Yes. And vice versa. And that's the great thing about whatever you want to call it, self-care, therapy, self-help, whatever, whatever you want to brand it, label it as is it's a totally individualized approach and it doesn't have to be, like you said, what your neighbor does doesn't have to be what you do. And going forward after we start this conversation, I think it's, that's another maybe paradigm that will be shifted among people in that, well, just because dad or the neighbor or the industry standard is this way, that doesn't necessarily mean I have to do it this way. And I think really getting people outside of their box mm-hmm. and just maybe, like you say, thinking a little bit differently, maybe makes them, I don't think maybe makes them, definitely makes them just emotionally stronger across the board. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, different recipes for different individuals. You, For example, you and I both love exercise. Mm-hmm. And I know at least in the past, I don't know if you're doing it in this crazy cold, but you would get up at like 4 a.m. and go run, right? Well, yeah. Normally I have, I've taken time off for, from that, but I <laughs> have done that much in the past. Yes. Yeah, so I have a standing rule that my body does not exercise prior to 8 a.m. and that has been and i used to milk cows in the morning mind you too so that is a lifelong rule but what i do is i have standing appointments on my calendar to go to spin and to go to kickboxing because for me i need to go someplace where i don't have to use my brain and somebody tells me what to do and i just can go and exercise and and it works right and my my daughter is the opposite. She is a runner, so she runs after school. It doesn't matter what the weather is. And she's not very nice when she doesn't run. So mm-hmm. I think we all have to find our forms. Yeah, and it changes from like, you know, we stick it on this topic of exercise, is that it changes from time to time too. So oh, for yes. me, for a long time, or not, I shouldn't say a long time, but last half of last year of 2021, I only ran, but I, I experienced some injuries. Just, I, I honestly kind of burnt myself out. So I shifted the way I do. And I actually even shifted the amount of time I work out. I get up now and instead of going right to working out, I get up and I do stuff around the farm. Then I go to the gym or, or whatever it is. So I've changed, even changed up my route. Somebody, you know, cause I think we have to, we almost feel like there's a purist's approach to it. It's either like all the way run seven miles a day or there's nothing. And it doesn't have to be like that. And uh, even as far as I am into my exercise journey, you know, I've changed it to where it's just like, 20 to 30 minutes a day instead of an hour, hour and a half. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's a different season for different times and everybody, everybody, everybody's in a different season, uh, a season all unto their own. Yeah, exactly. And I like some of the tips that you provided for the growth calendar that talked about how to integrate exercise into chores. Um, I think that is something that would work for a lot of people. And 
the key to exercise is there's no perfect answer. You know, I would love to go run, but I've had four knee surgeries. So that privilege was taken away from me a very long time ago. There's other things I'd love to go do, but it doesn't make any sense for me to do them. So, you know, as you go through life, you have to find what works for you and be content with that. Yeah. And it's, and it's funny. And it's, it's funny that you mentioned that because I actually put some of it to work today for me. We actually sold some calves at the sale barn today and I take them in on the week. They're weaned calves. I take them in on the weekend actually, and feed them at the sale barn for the last few days I own them. But in usually what I used, used to do is I would drive my little, uh, car into the alley of the sale barn. And that way I could just unload the buckets and feed them right from there. But mm-hmm. I, 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 I got you, you were on my mind this morning as I was doing that. And instead of doing, like I said, driving in, I carried the buckets all the way around and all the way through to make sure I got that little bit more of exercise, you know, and it, it's, it's not a lot. It wasn't a big, huge difference, but it was more than if I wouldn't have done it. So, you know, how many times can we make those little small decisions throughout our day to, you know, maybe get that little bit of extra effort that we might need? Well, and to realize why you're doing it, because so many people think, oh, I'm supposed to exercise. I don't really want to do this. Oh, I have to do this. Well, science clearly proves that adrenaline can be reduced by exercise and that Mm -hmm. all the happy hormones come out once you exercise for 20 minutes. So if we're going to stand on science for agriculture, I think we should also stand on science for Uh, self-care. Agreed. Yeah, for sure. Science clearly proves that stress actually does a lot of things negative to the heart, Mm -hmm. to our weight. And one of the things that a lot of people don't know is that chronic stress, so the stress that's not addressed over time can actually shrink your brain Mm -hmm. and it can have epigenetic changes. So changes on future generations and their ability to handle stress, which kind of freaks me out personally. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, and, but at this, you know, it, it gives you a way bigger why as well. Yes. And unfortunately, a lot of people in agriculture sometimes don't see themselves as the most important thing. And uh, that's obviously not true. But like if you frame it to a way where you talk about those possible epigenetic changes and well, this isn't going, going to affect you, but it's going to affect your family for generations to come. And mm-hmm. I think if you frame it in that way, uh, I think hopefully you can really wake a few people up to, yeah, but- you know, how big these changes need to be and can be. Yeah, people start waking up when you start talking about the effect on future generations. And I think it's a really interesting parallel with the fact that people in agriculture won't necessarily take care of themselves, but they'll take care of everyone else. And that mindset has to change. And I'm not talking just stress management and I'm not talking just exercise, but we have to be able to find the ability to talk about what's bothering us and talk about our stressors. And I'm as independent as stubborn as anyone who's listening to be clear. So I get it. 
But what we were raised with as far as, you know, you don't talk about your problems, you pull yourself up by the bootstraps and you move mm-hmm. on. It doesn't always work, folks. And that's okay. That doesn't mean you're weak. It means that you're a human. And what kind of role model are you setting if you're incapable of opening it up and talking to people? Right. I mean, right. You're, you know, if you want to change the legacy, it starts with you. Yep. Exactly. Starts with you. Yeah. Yeah, it does. And it, I think that's really hard for many of the people that I have worked with. I know it's hard personally because we would rather be dealing with our, our land, our animals than with humans, honestly. I mean, there's a reason why we farm and ranch, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but no, when we change the way we look at things, when we change our frame of mind and really look at our why, it really can be, it can be a difference maker. And somebody said it to me one time, and uh, I think it was Adrian DeSutter helped me see it this way is, you know, the farmer, the rancher uh, has to start seeing themselves as an asset to their operation. Yes. Mm-hmm. And whenever you see yourself as an asset and put a value on yourself, it makes a huge, huge difference. It absolutely does. And she actually, I'm flipping through the calendar rapidly here. She shared some of those sentiments, I Mm -hmm. believe it was in December. So that's a challenge. And that's one of the reasons why I think stress management has to be a part of business planning, Uh, not only for you, but for the health of your business, the wellness of your employees, the long-term stability of your family and your children. And again, trying to role model the best ways to handle all of this craziness is a great way to look at it. But the the asset piece, I don't know if that's easier for men, Jason. That's hard for women, I think. Yeah, I yeah, maybe. I don't know. I, I, I really don't know. I like to think that it's I don't know. That's a good that's a good way. I don't know if it if they're um because for me, I think it really changed my outlook on it. Mm-hmm. I really changed me because it it, it helped me see it in a much, much different light. But that's interesting because you're a pharmacist, so clearly you care about caring for others. Yeah. Yeah, I do. But I didn't, like, and then I've always, obviously, I understand the importance of self-care. I obviously know what it's, you know, why it's important, but I don't know if I ever had a way to like actually really quantify it until I started seeing it like that. And that really made a difference for me and not only made a difference for me, but made a difference in how I talked about it and made a difference in how I presented it to others. Because I think when you look at it that way, it almost becomes tangible, right? It becomes something that people can kind of put their finger on. And, you know, we're in agriculture. That's a big part of what we do. We want to have concrete. We want to know, like, we want to know the data points. We want to know what those weaning weights are. We want to know what our yield is. You know, it's how we measure. We measure productivity by the numbers. So whenever we can almost, and I'm not saying you can really put a number to this thing, these things we talk about, but when you start looking at it in that same light, I think it's very helpful. Yeah, I would agree. It makes a lot of sense and it does give it a bit more of a tangible feel. I find in a lot of my conversations that people don't know 
how to identify if somebody's stressed out. A lot of times, even with teenagers, it seems like they're worried that they're going to insult someone if they start asking questions. Yeah. Yeah. And and I know that's my the way I am too. We've almost been conditioned to feel that way, that we're inconveniencing people. But I mean, how else do you really learn? Well, exactly. And Nathan Brown, who you'd, you'd mentioned actually for the calendar, and I think it was August or September, talked about the fact that, you know, we're happy to talk about the weather and their livestock and farm mm-hmm. equipment and, and so forth. But we're not so happy to talk about our feelings. Yeah. Um, because that's considered light and fluffy. Right. But I can't tell you, and I'm sure that you've been given numerous examples from people that you've spoken with as well, but the stories that I have heard about lives being saved yeah, when folks take the time or act on a gut instinct or mm-hmm. ask someone, are you planning on harming yourself? And it's interesting to me because if you want the science, Cornell Center for Ag Research, I think is who it is, but it's a Cornell study that clearly showed that if you ask someone point blank, are you planning to hurt yourself? Are you planning to carry out the act of suicide that you actually will have the opportunity to show someone that you care and will potentially save their life? That's really interesting because I've heard the argument not, and I don't, I don't believe this, or I don't, I don't feel this way. But I have heard the argument that when uh, some people don't, whenever you say those words, you're people are afraid that they're going to put that idea in somebody's head. Yes, um, everybody thinks that. I personally have not had that experience, and studies show that that's not the case. But I think the most effective way to illustrate this is Teresa Gilly, who's up in Minnesota, a um, mm-hmm. w- wonderful lady, and she is a suicide survivor, mm. meaning that her husband died by suicide a, a few years ago now. And she says all the signs were there. Um, some of those signs were the increased loneliness, the change in temperament, um, mm-hmm. the change in the appearance of the farm. Her husband was more tired. He socially withdrew from everything. His appetite changed. He couldn't sleep. And she says, if you see something, say something. Yes. Don't ever wait because you're going to offend someone. And what the experts say, and I am not an expert in mental health. Uh, I just have some lived experiences with people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And... What the experts say is that when you start asking the hard questions, it shows to that person that other people care and are there for them. You're not going to plant the idea of suicide. Yes. Yeah. No, that's 100%. And I'm glad you said it that way because chances are that's not something that someone gets an idea for. That's something that they unfortunately came up with in as their own solution. Exactly. You know, and nobody wants that to happen. So to talk about it, to, I think to put it out there and, and, and 
put it in those words and, and actually identify it as a real possibility, I think it maybe makes it real for the person and makes them examine it from a different perspective or, you know, see that, oh, somebody does care. Oh, somebody does. Because I think the, I think one of the common things with people who suffer have, have had suicidal thoughts is that they think they don't matter. They think that nobody cares if this happens. And whenever you're able to say that out loud to someone who may be struggling with that, it helps reassure them that yes, you do matter. Yes. Somebody cares because they wouldn't care. They wouldn't ask if they didn't care. Exactly. And the one thing that I would really love for all of your listeners, whether you're a farmer or rancher, you're an agribusiness, or you have family members who are, the reality is, is your life and your humanity is far more important than your farm. Mm -hmm. And I have seen so many times and talked with so many people that truly believe that God created them as a farmer or God created them as a rancher. And with all due respect, you were created as a human being. Mm -hmm. And I know personally, after experiencing uh, my family lost our farm to bankruptcy, I understand how horrific that is. And I understand what it does to a family. But I also understand that my identity is not solely wrapped up in that farm that I grew up on. That was a pretty hard lesson that I had in my early 20s. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Not one that I would suggest repeating, but the reality is, is economics of agriculture today that mean that more and more people are put in that position. And it breaks my heart when I see, and it's typically, and I'm not trying to stereotype, but it is typically men and it's typically closer to the average age of farmers. Um, So the older, and I just want to reiterate, you are more than what you do. Yes. And your identity should not be so wrapped up in farming and ranching and egg business that you can't see beyond that because you're doing a disservice to your family, to yourself, to your community when it's all about your occupation. And don't get me wrong, folks. I love agriculture, very deeply committed to agriculture. But you know what? In today's time, it's more important to be a human and to take care of yourself as a human. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you're you're a human bef- above all else, and yes. you know if those thing, if you if the things that aren't making you human are right, you can't be whatever you are. You can't be the best husband, the best father, the best farmer, the best anything if you're not your best self. I mean, exactly. that's ultimately yeah. what matters most. And as much as we all want to control our reaction to stress, our humanist <laughs> is in charge of that. You know, yep. you can't control when your adrenaline's flump or when you're filled with cortisol. You can't control 100% when serotonin and oxytocin are flowing through your body and making you happy. As much as you want to, that is scientifically impossible. So again, I will point back to, you know, we spend so much time in agriculture. We want the data points. We want the scientific evidence. Well, the scientific evidence is here, folks. We have to do a better job of managing our stress and taking care of ourselves. Yeah, no, you're you're 100% right. 100% right on that. That's going to be 
that's that's how it changes you know anything you ch- you have the most control over the things closest to you no matter what it is no matter what we're speaking about and you can make the biggest difference in the things closest to you and it all starts with you yourself mm-hmm. making those changes for you and then you can make the changes for your family and then you can make your changes for your community and up and up so but no it all starts with you yeah And, you know, one of the hardest pages that I had to write was about trash talking yourself. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Because I'm very guilty of that. I don't know if you are. Um, Mm -hmm. And the reality is, is that the words that we use with ourselves are very powerful. Uh, Brene Brown has written about it extensively, if you're a Brene Brown fan. Yes. It's amazing to look at what negative self-talk can do and the consequences of it. So one of the things that I would encourage you to do as you're facing challenges, whether it's this lovely weather we're having, a little sarcasm there, mm-hmm. or when the equipment breaks down or or you feel like you messed something up, how can you turn that negative self-talk into possible talk? Mm-hmm. What's the possible yeah. outcome? Um, and, and so really trying to make sure that you're doing some simple things, not only physically, not only with the way that you eat, but also the way that you talk with yourself or to yourself and to stop the trash talking. Yeah, no, I like that, you know, possible talk, you know, changing the format almost, you know, cause I am, I'm very guilty of that and talking down to myself and thinking the worst things about myself, but I can tell you, I, for one, I know that self-talk matters because, I mean, it's the only, you know, your brain is conditioned to basically to believe what it hears. Mm-hmm. And if you're talking, saying these negative things just about yourself, of course, you're going to believe them. You're going to continue to believe them about yourself. So making sure you have that positive inner voice and 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 not just a positive inner voice, but recognizing that negative inner voice and stopping it somehow Mm -hmm. identifying it and stopping it makes a big difference yes it absolutely does and jason i know one thing that makes a huge difference for me as well that is fairly easy if people have the discipline to do it is eating right for sure for sure Foods can make a huge difference. And here's the deal, folks. I love chocolate. I have a sweet tooth that will match anyone's out there. I've never met a carbohydrate I don't like. (laughs) Carbs are good. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But, you know, I remember the days when I was bailing hay and I could slam a mellow yellow or a Mountain Dew. (laughs) Probably not the most nutritionally sound thing. And and because I've worked a lot with dietitians, I was very proud to have a few different dietitians contribute content to the calendar and and talk about, again, the data that proves that eating different ways can actually impact the way that you feel. And there are foods that increase or improve your mood. Yeah, And so trying to just do the simple changes, I'm not suggesting that you do away with all of your Mountain Dew or all of your Coke if you can't handle that, but maybe adding in some greens or perhaps Mm -hmm. consuming some fruits. Mm -hmm. You know, it's different for all of us. And I don't want to be a hypocrite. I don't always eat right either. Yeah. Well, you know, since the first of the year, I've really kind of reexamined my diet and tried to change a few things, mostly quantity wise and not just quantity, but trying to cut out 
the stuff that may not be the most healthy and try to be more of a mindful eater. And the, the, the effect that it has on my, on my mood and on my, you know, I'll just say like, I, I feel better about myself. Mm-hmm. I, I don't believe this. I, I am able to stop myself when that negative self-talk comes and, you know, diet plays. In fact, I didn't think diet played as big a role as exercise did until very recently. And I found out that if I eat properly, that's as effective or possible. I mean, maybe even more effective than getting the exercise I, I need. Well, obviously they're, they're equally important, but I, I think they, I think it's, it's a, it's kind of an unwritten thing I think we talk about exercise a lot and obviously exercise is how I've said it for myself. It's been one of the most beneficial things to my mental health, but, but eating right, Mm -hmm. my goodness, it makes a huge difference. Yeah, it absolutely does. Now I will openly admit that I am, am in a very good mood when I have a pan of brownies in front of me. (laughs) Sure. I consume half of them. (laughs) Yeah, no, I know. I know. However, an hour after I do that, not, not, I yeah, I yeah, it's not so much how you feel while you're eating it. It's <laughs> right. when it's after it's over is is when the bad you know that's when it's had time to settle and absorb, and you know that's when your body starts to undergo changes in hormones and whatnot, and uh, you know yes. that's that, it's after that. Yeah, yes. I you know I totally and I, that's been the way I feel throughout the day has made a huge difference for me. Yeah. And again, that's different for everyone because, you know, yours may be portion control. For me, it's often getting enough protein in. Mm -hmm. And then I have chronic 3 p.m. munchy challenges or being sleepy challenges. And I always have to remind myself that wellness is a state of action. Um, yes. It has to be an active state. And so even though it it's really fun to consume half a pan of brownies. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's probably not the best action for my wellness. Yeah, and um, thinking of the long term. Yes, exactly. And so, you know, one of the things that I'm trying not to do, and I, I try to write in a way in the calendar, is to not preach at people, you mm-hmm. have to do this. You have Well, mm-hmm. you don't yep. have to do anything. However, if you want to feel better, you could try adding some more fiber to your diet. It was actually really interesting looking at some of the research from the dietitian that sent information is clearly fiber intake is directly correlated with feelings of happiness. Right. And I don't think a lot of people realize that. And, and I know that there's probably lots of people that don't want to hear about vegetables, but the reality is, is vegetables are pretty powerful in yes. being your ability to manage stress. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. Well, Michelle, I appreciate your time here tonight. Like always, you're a breath of fresh air. You have been such a wonderful support, not just support, but wonderful inspiration to the work we do here. So I thank you for that. And thank you for being back here with us tonight. Well, thank you. And I certainly appreciate you having me on to talk about the agriculture growth calendar and all of your contributions to not only that project, but everything that you've done in the mental health space. So hopefully we can make a dent, the more of us that work on this. Yeah. I think it's well, a- the more, Though, if think about it, if one, if we get one more person 
talking about it, you know, what's, what kind of effect can that have? Exactly. Um, you know, it's just you know, trying to always just try to bring one more person to the conversation, you know, every day that's, it, it, it's going to, I think, you know, we're starting to do, we're starting to see a difference. You know, I've seen some studies come out that the stigma is definitely reducing and yes. you know, that makes me feel really good, but it's always, it seems like, um, when I read that study, then the next day I read a of multiple suicides in the ag community and you know, there's still work to be done, obviously. So there is, I, you know, we're, it's better, it's getting better, but the work is never done. It is. And, and, and to me, it's not just about breaking down the stigma, but it's also about equipping people to have these conversations. Yes. yes. And to continue to work on it because I think we all have to be responsible for it. So right. I certainly applaud your efforts. Appreciate you having me. And if any of your listeners um, want to connect, certainly let me know. Glad to hear from them. Yep. We'll link all the ways to get a hold of you in the show notes, uh, your website and all of that. And uh, yeah, let people reach out to you there. Perfect. Thanks again, Michelle. Well, thank you. For many years, U.S. farmers in select markets have trusted SP1 as an integral part of their crops fertility program. Today, as fertilizer prices soar and supply chain challenges loom, DPH Biologics is expanding access to this trusted biofertilizer, helping growers circumvent supply challenges while improving crop yield and profitability. With TerraTrove SP1 Classic, the complete biofertilizer, you can replace up to 50% of your starter fertilizer. Visit dphbio.com. Thanks for listening to Ag State of Mind. We hope this episode has encouraged you. Be sure to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Ag State of Mind. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Spotify so you never miss an episode. See you next week.